Okay, so we're standing at the Kingfish boat ramp and basically I'm facing the road with my back to the ocean and to the left of me would be the boat ramp. They would have gotten out of the water and then pulled the boat out so that they could strap it down. And then there's a whole parking area right here and then near the end of the parking area there's a, a copse of trees and picnic tables and they had gotten into the car and were driving up to the treed area and that is when toward the exit and that is when a man on uh, pushing a bike came out he said he didn't even remember seeing the picnic tables mom he said he didn't even, the, uh, Mr. Barrows, who was the brother-in-law in the passenger seat. Well, they're kind of tucked in real close to the water. Yeah, and, and there's, there's the big trees. That they could have just been like right here and he came out, you know, like came out of the trees. That's what he said. He thought he came, they, he came out from behind trees. So I could see where he, there's some bushes and then there's trees. So he might have just come out from right there. He didn't remember seeing the picnic table, so. No, the boat ramp is right there. Yes, but when you pull out, you still have to get your boat tied down. You have to do a lot of things. So they might pull in here to get out of everybody's way to get things down. Then they would back up and go that That's way. what they did. Okay. That's how we would have done it. We would have backed our boat out and then we would have gone that way. We would have pulled off where nobody could, we could bother anybody. That's what we did. Correct. That's what they did. So they pulled out and that's when they saw the, 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 the girls drive by in the car with the chicken. Right out, uh, right chicken? out off the road. Remember, they went to buy the chicken. The, oh, I the, thought you meant a live no, chicken. No, no. We saw a couple of girls with a chicken. <laughs> and a okay. No. Lost mother. that totally. No. That was a whole different, no, no. <laughs> whole different frame of mind here. No. So <laughs> the, the women went to get chicken <laughs> because they, they weren't sure if the men was were going to catch fish, which they actually did. They had a couple of stringers full that, in the end, when the police came to confiscate the boat to take it into evidence, they had to throw all that fish away. And there's something about that specific piece of information that made me feel kind of sad like that was the last thing that that group of people did the father and his sons and the uncle I caught all these they fish because they would have been stinky they had to take the car oh, and bring oh. it to the, the garage because they that's not they processed the whole thing in a fish we did we wouldn't have left our fish we would have put it in a cooler they had it in a cooler they dumped the coolers of fish out the police did oh to see what was in there they dumped it out because they took it then to lock it down in the, wherever they keep their evidence until they could process it for Got fingerprints it. and stuff. Yeah, I guess they couldn't keep it. Because remember, they needed to process the boat where the guy to see if he touched the boat anywhere they thought that, that the, the perpetrator might have touched. You know, they have a bunch of fingerprints that were unidentified. The problem with this crime scene is once they pulled out, then they got the shots and then the car jackknifed off the road. A bunch of cars with people stopped, ran over there, and everybody was touching everything, getting people out of the cars and everything. All these people were, were touching, you know, to get the kids out of the car. The whole area was contaminated. The sprinklers came on. Oh, shit. And, and some of the men took their shirts off to cover the sprinklers so that they wouldn't get everyone muddy. They were all laying on the ground. I have the crime scene photos. I should show them to you later. I have them all. They're amazing shots. None would be, would be in the newspaper today. They are literally with, you can see the, 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 the people laying. They didn't, I don't have the ones with the are kids. Are you able one. to put those up on your? I put some, I won't put any with bodies in there, but I put some and um, I might, I would probably do that. I will, I'll put a few, but without. Today is, they process, is a graphic time right now. It's a well, graphic that, time right now. They, they should. sensationalizes what you're doing as well. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. You don't want to take the, you know, the faces. They put the, a picture of the, of, I'll show you. We'll look at, they're really amazing. You'll appreciate them just as from a, um, a photographic standpoint. Yeah, if they're too graphic, I could understand it, but really they do show graphic pictures. The one thing I'm noticing of doing all this is the how close everything is. Like it all happened very quickly. And you're right, you said something to me last night that made me think, they may not have been targets, these specific family. This may have been someone that sat out here and watched boats come in and out all day and, and, found and them, saw found that family smart. and thought, that's looked, the one. Well, that's because it looked like a um, That's because to me, why would you target a because kids, to me it looked kids. like his first kill because it was so sloppy. If that's a serial killer, it's his first kill, and it definitely was a serial killer. It's not just somebody that's going to kill somebody just for the hell of it. It it sounds like he's young. He's in his twenties. Twenty. It sounds like his first kill, and he really screwed it up. 
like a thrill kill you're thinking no i think he's a serial killer probably one of those just like a serial yeah killer but it starts out killing animals they start out torturing right. things and then he all of a sudden he says damn i could do this and he this isn't someone with any sort of sexual motivation i think it was planned so it was not planned it was not it was the, definitely the type of killer it was the definitely person not be. planned don't look. Don't turn around. It was definitely not planned at all. He's. Well, you got a camera, so he looks like. Why are you interviewing me? That's all he's looking to do. See. Yeah, but he was the right age. I know. Imagine if it was a, the reason why I'm, I'm. Mom and I are standing here, and there's a, a questionable person driving through, an older man, with a, a, a car that was kind of look what we were doing, and he would have been in the right age group age now. But if it's a local and it's someone who's doing this for sort of a, a thrill, and they actually still lived here. Stopping. watching us well not us I think he's looking down there at the water maybe to see who's fishing could be I'm ready to mark him as a serial killer <laughs> let's go for it <laughs> you should have taken his license plate Susan with the camera but I didn't because I didn't have my camera here it so it doesn't matter he's moving along it is possible that because you can sit in these in these Which chairs I'll remember that car though I'm gonna wait and see if it goes by anywhere this is a big enough um, um, boat ramp with an area with a with the seating where you could sit here and watch his boats come in and out all day and decide yes, who your target would be. You can. You could be sitting there eating with it's your little bike. not a good bike. fishing spot because it's too shallow out well, there. there I was were, looking. There were people fishing off not the dock. Not right here. It's too shallow right now. No. You can't fish off the side. Here. They were fishing off the dock. Yeah. I am thinking more about your idea of it possibly being a serial killer, a local that was sort of watching people come in all day and may have targeted when they put he in. He might have been looking for months for somebody, somebody to kill and it just might have inspired him. Something might I have just done don't it. understand why you would get, you would pick a a person with two kids, why would you make that choice? He might not have seen the kids in the car. They were in the back seat. If he was sitting there, he and might watching not have seen people. the kids in the car. They were in the back seat. They're, if they're in car seat, they're little kids. They're, they got a seat belt. Okay, but once you get in the car, you can make that choice not to kill people. Oh, that choice isn't going to be made. It made. The choice would have been made not to put the bike in the car when he saw him. If once he once he did see him, he put the bike in the I'm car. I'm more inclined to think he did see the kids because they were all. He saw them when he put the bike. By the time he put the bike yeah. in the car. And, and he, might have and jacked him time, up a bit even too, that, that he had more he, people to kill. That could be exciting too. It's so easy to get caught up in the moment when you're standing in the exact spot where a tragedy unfolded and you're looking around, trying to see what they saw and willing that film reel in your head to revert back to that time to glean clues decades later by osmosis somehow. I associate images from that time the way the images I have from that decade, the early 80s, to look. Everything washed in that weird yellowish-green, slightly blurred haze, rather than the sharp HD imagery that we associate with the present day. And then a stranger drives by, slowly, and he's about the age that the perpetrator would be today, if he was still alive. Somewhere between 60 and 75, I imagine, in this case. Could he be the guy? Did he come back to town after the hubbub of the moment died down to continue to relive his kills, driving by that boat ramp now and again to reclaim whatever it is that he saw it the first time around? It makes you start to wonder, is he still here? Was he a local at all? And that's what we were wondering as we stood there at the Kingfish boat ramp, Mom and I, caught up in the story essentially inserting ourselves into that mystery, which seems to be what true crime enthusiasts do now, you know? It's almost reached a cult-like phenomenon. Social media pages and conversations dedicated to the chatter about cases that have long ago gone cold. People coming together over a common goal, presumably to try to figure out what happened, to solve the mystery, to find that piece of the puzzle that remains unfound. It's what we all do when we're watching an episode of our favorite true crime show or reading a story about a murder. It's almost impossible not to step into the story and wonder about all the what-ifs. Would we have done anything differently? Can we figure this thing out? This thing that's eluded everyone else for decades? It's obviously presumptuous. I suppose it's human nature. Humans like to solve puzzles. To figure out that thing that nobody else has yet to figure out. I personally think the jury is still out on whether the current obsession with true crime is, on the whole, more helpful or harmful to the cases covered so heavily on podcasts and TV and documentaries. 
I sometimes wonder if we do more re-victimizing victims than anything else. I guess it depends on what day you catch me. If it's a good day, I can be more circumspect. And if it's a bad day, I'm a little more jaded. But I know one thing for sure. The key to a decades-long mystery is rarely going to present itself so easily as the perpetrator just happening by while you're discussing the case. The witness accounts are the only information we have about the perpetrator in this case. Given that there is scant other evidence, possibly fingerprints and not much else, let's go over what the witnesses said about the events of August 1st, 1980. We're going to start with, arguably, the most important witness, Raymond Barrows. He was in the vehicle with the killer, he heard him speak, saw him up close, and was able to observe him for the longest amount of time of any of the other witnesses. I tried to get his original audio, but the Holmes Beach Police Department said, quote, the recordings are all on non-digital media and we cannot release them. They did offer to allow me to listen to them in person, but despite having made the records request months before I visited Anna Maria Island, they didn't get back to me about the audio portion until weeks after I had left. I do have the full transcript of the first interview with Raymond Barrows, done at his bedside in the hospital, when his memory of events would have been fresh. I have recreated that full interview for you. I'm going to play the interviewer in this recreation, but just for the sake of clarity, this was conducted by Kurt Siver, the investigator for the state attorney's office, on August 5, 1980. Holmes Beach Police Chief Tom Shanafelt was also present, as well as Don Tabb and Bill Geitzen of the State Attorney's Office in Tampa. You guys might remember Kurt Siver from the unsolved homicide case I covered out of Arcadia, Florida, Merritt Wheeler's case. Anyway, this interview with Raymond Barrows began with a bit of discussion about the address of their vacation cottage on Holmes Beach and how it was technically on Anna Maria Island, but within the city of home speech. Well, anyway, toward the north tip of the island. And we got up, ready to go fishing. That was Friday. We went fishing Wednesday also all day. So we prepare the boat, me and the two kids. They come along, Mark and Eric. My daughter Anne, or Anna Maria, Juanito's niece, she didn't want to come along. Generally, the wives didn't like to go fishing, so the girls stayed home and the boys went fishing. So we left about 8.30. We got to the, uh, we went to gas up the boat. Where did you gas the boat up at? 7.89, I think it is. I think it's Gulf Boulevard on Holmes Beach. Was it a service station? Mm-hmm, service station. Do you remember what kind of service station? Yes, I think it was a standard. Standard? I'm pretty sure because three days before we took the station wagon over there because we had a little radiator trouble. So then we went to the ramp, unloaded the boat, took off, and there were... Okay, let's stop right there now. Um, when you got gas, who all was present when you gassed the boat? I sat in the car at that time in the front seat, and I think one of the kids, the oldest, Eric, he got off and he went with his father where his father was pumping the gas. His father pumped the gas himself? Mm-hmm, he pumped the gas himself. He did? Self-service station? Yes, I don't think it was a self-service, but he'd rather do it himself. They didn't object to it, and I didn't hear any conversation at all. Okay, was there any other people around at this time? I don't recall it. Was there any other cars in the service station getting gas? There was one truck, one truck, some garbage man with a big trailer. What did the truck look like? A sort of a red old truck, and he had a big trailer. Also, uh, an old, pretty big trailer. Did it have high sides on it or anything, this truck? Yes. Did it have any letters written on it? No, just a number. Didn't have Garden of Eden or something written on it, did it? Yes, that's it. It did have that? It did have, yes. Did you see the fellow that was driving the truck? Yes, I did. What did he look like? He was sort of tall, blonde, muscular. I looked at him once when he came past me into his truck, and I don't know why it called my attention to look at, and 
He looked at me kind of funny. Okay, was there any other vehicles in there? No. Had you ever seen this person before? No, I haven't. After you got the gas, then what did you do? Well, then we got ready to go and Eric, Juanito's oldest, said, Daddy, you forgot the funnel. You know, the one that you put the gas for the boat tank on the ground. So he stopped. Eric got out and went and got the funnel, threw it on top of the boat, and then got in and we drove away. Okay, where did you go from there? To the boat ramp. Uh, I think it's called Kingfish Boat Ramp. Kingfish Ramp something. On the way to Bradington on Manatee Avenue? Yes, just between Holmes Beach and that big bridge, you know. You can look off to the north and see the Sunshine Skyway? Right, mm-hmm, yes. When you got to the boat ramp, was there any other cars around there? Yes, there were. Do you recall what kind of cars? To tell you the truth, I don't. There was about two or three cars right along there. Was there any people around? Mm-hmm, there were people there too. Was there anybody there that you particularly noticed? No, not people that I've ever seen before. Did these vehicles have trailers attached to them? Yes. Were there boats on the trailers, or...? There was no boats on the trailers. Boats must have been already gone in the water. Was there any cars sitting there that didn't have a trailer attached to them? You mean cars sitting there without trailers? Yes. There was cars parked with trailers. Can you think back and picture these cars in your mind and tell me what color any of them was or anything? Well, roughly I would say one was maybe sort of reddish maroon. I'm almost sure one looked like that, one of the cars. Where was that car sitting, do you recall? I think facing the ramp, down, sitting down on the right, on the right-hand side. Did it have a trailer on it? Yes, I'm pretty sure it did. Now, there was a gentleman on the far right, on the pier, you know? It has a little pier. Right. The boats, they pull in, and they go around the post on the far end. There was this guy, oh, I'd say around his 60s, sort of. Not too tall, but, you know, average, 5'10", 6 foot. A little heavy. He wore glasses and he just kept looking at us, you know. About how old? Mm, about 60. Did he speak to you at all? Yes, he did. All right, what did he say? He says, you need any help? Had you ever seen this person before? No, I didn't. So Juan says, no thanks, we can manage. And he just kept looking and looking and that's all right. The guy don't have nothing much to do or anything like that. What kind of clothes was he wearing? He had sort of a blue, light blue shorts and a light blue shirt, like a pullover shirt. His glasses were white, white-rimmed glasses. Okay, anything else? Anybody else that... Might have been one or two more people there, but I can't recall it. Okay. When we come back now, there was quite a few more. Okay, don't get too far ahead of me now. I want to take you back to when did you first go to Anna Maria Island? When? Yes, sir. You mean this time? Yes, sir. We went to Anna Maria Island from Monday. Last Monday? A week ago. We got there in the afternoon, five, six o'clock. All right, had you made arrangements to rent this place? No, my brother-in-law did. He did. Uh, do you know when he made those arrangements? Oh, some time back, maybe a month ago, roughly. Actually, one of uh, somebody working in his office in the clinic, his clinic. Do you know who that was? No, I don't. I'm sure my sister-in-law knows. Juan's wife, actually. My wife's sister-in-law. During the week you was there, did you have any company? No, we didn't. Every day did you go out fishing, or what did you do? We went swimming every day. We went picnicking on the other beach uh, that faces the bay and... Which beach is that now? Coquina Beach or the public beach? Uh, the public beach. Is that Bayfront Park in Anna Maria? That has a beach and a picnic area, benches, and a couple... Then there's a little further down is another pier. Yes, sir. How many times did you go up there to that beach? Um, just once. Did you go down to the beach right down from your house on the Gulf Beach there? Yes, we did, every day. Twice a day, three times a day. Did you go fishing every day in the boat? Mm, twice we went, on Wednesday all day and Friday, just two days. 
Now, did anything unusual happen during this period of time? You mean while fishing? Fishing or anything. Did anybody unusual contact you or you see them around or anything? No, no, sir. Nothing strange happened at all? No, sir. Did anybody inquire as to where you were staying? I don't think so, no. After you launched the boat and went fishing, what area did you go fishing in? We went out straight back in the bay and out around the tip of the island. Back around by the piers? Mm, back around by the piers, straight out. In the gulf? And, and into the gulf, six, eight miles out. Was there any other boats out there around you? I think there was only one or two boats we saw out there. About what time was this that you put the boat in the water? In the morning, I would say 9, 9.30. And who all knew what time you'd be back? Only the family. Who all was that? At the house, Mrs. Dumois, Juan's wife. Mrs. Barrows, my wife. Anne, my daughter. Anna Maria, Juan's daughter, just like Anna Maria. You have a daughter named Anne? Anne, yes, and their daughter's name is Anna Maria. Okay, and what time was you to return? Between five and six o'clock. They were, you know, it's funny when we got the boat out of the water to the ramp and we were securing the boat with the straps, putting the lights on, we heard a car honking. So we look and it was my daughter coming from Bradington with uh, her cousin and her aunt and we waved and they went by and, wow, that must have been two minutes before this tragedy. All right, we'll get to this in a minute. Now, there was no one else that knew what time you was going to be back. No, sir. How about the night before? Did you discuss with anybody that you was going to go fishing? No, just us family. You didn't go down to the bar or anything and have a drink and talk about going fishing? No. Did you catch fish? Yes, we did. Both days we caught some. You went out on Wednesday, you said, also. That's correct? Yes, sir. Who went with you on that day? Dr. Juan, his son, both of his sons, same two, Eric and Mark, and myself. We went out around the pier on the inside of the bay, and he told his daddy that he wasn't feeling well. So he said, you sure? He said, yes, I don't feel well. And, and then he said, you don't, why didn't you tell me this before? Now we have to come back. So anyways, he says, okay, we'll take you home. And we wasn't straight out anyways. We came out on the beach just a few feet from offshore and jumped in and swam to the shore and went home. Excuse, excuse me. This, and this was what boy? Mark, the smallest one. Did you leave at approximately the same time on the Wednesday fishing trip? Yes, we did. You did, approximately 8.30 or 9? Mm-hmm, approximately 9 o'clock. Did you get back around the same time? Yeah, almost the same. About what time did you get back on Wednesday? Oh, 5, 5.15, pretty close to about that. Do you know what time you got back on Friday? 5 o'clock. How do you know that? Well, we got back at exactly 4.30, and it took us about a half hour to get the boat on the trailer. We had a hard time doing it, a, a difficult time. Okay, when you came in from fishing now and you pulled up to the boat ramp, was there anyone around that you seen at this time? Well, yes, there was quite a few people around. On the right side of the boat ramp, there was a man and a wife and a kid fishing, and they were watching us, and, uh... You mean on the right as you're looking out into the water? No, the right you're look when you're looking in. And they were on the little dock, the wooden dock there? Right. So then we... There's also people on the left, on the left side, where the docks are. Somebody... Juan decided to change since these people on the right were fishing. He decided to go to the next one across the ramp. Because they what? Because they were fishing from the pier there. Oh, okay. Excuse me, there was a man and a woman? Right, a man and a woman and a kid. And a child? Fishing, right. On the ramp? On the right-hand side as you were approaching the ramp? Right. So then Juan decided to go across and to the right, I mean into the next... To the left side? Mm -hmm, to the left side. We told Eric, here's the rope, go ahead and hook it up, and I'll go get the trailer. 
So we stopped the motor and Eric hooked the boat to the pier and Juan brought the boat down, the trailer into the water. We couldn't get it on there for some reason. Um, and somebody said, can we help you? So Juan says, I think I got it. Let me give it one more time. And if not, I'll be more than happy to have you help. So just about that time, boom, we managed to get her on, on the trailer. This older man was asking you? Yes. And this guy on the left, he had some kind of a container? A huge container of water with lights on it and fish swimming around. And I thought, what are they using that for? I'd never seen anything like that. So Juan said, I think they used that for bait. I don't know why they want that kind of bait around here, fishing this shallow water. Anyway, they were busy. They were fishing. So when they say, are we in your way? And Juan says, no, you're not in my way. So anyway, we proceed to do this. And it's funny, you know, I almost am positive that the same guy, I don't. Go ahead. Take it easy. Same guy was there that morning. You know, the blue short, blue shirt, very pale blue. He was there. In the morning? Yeah, he was there in the afternoon, too. Okay, was this the guy that was standing out on the dock? Yes. Did he have the same clothes on? Yes. Did you recognize him from that morning? Yes. And this was the guy you had some conversation with that morning? Yes. Okay, go ahead. I don't... I don't think... I think he did say to Juan, uh, what kind of day did you have fishing? And Juan told him pretty good, and that was about it. Now, when you came up... Where was this guy at when you first approached the boat ramp? Where was he? In the same position. Further back, he was at the ramp here at the side of the docks. He was on the same dock you all pulled up to. Is that correct? Right, the same dock. When was it that he first spoke to you when you came up? As soon as we got the boat toward the dock there to rope it up. To hook the rope. The boat was still in the water? Mm, yeah, it was in the water. That's when he spoke to us. And what did he ask you then? If we had a good day fishing. Okay, let me ask you this. Had you ever seen this person before this? Before this day? Yes. No, sir. All right. Where was he while you was loading the boat on the trailer? In the same position. He just stood there watching. Did you see the bicycle around at any time at this point? No, I didn't. All right. Now you got the boat loaded on the car. Yes. When did this guy next approach you? When did you talk to him or the doctor? Are you talking about the guy, the killer? Yes. Wait. Okay, so after we got the boat up, maybe I could raise this bed up? Sure, do whatever you want. I think it's over here. No, this right here. No, it's right here somewhere. I got something I want to clarify anyhow. I think he spoke to two different men. Is the person on the dock and the killer, is that the same person or two different people? Oh, no. Two different persons. Okay. Are you sure the doctor won't care if we do this? No, it's fine. Okay. Now, if you get too tired, you'll tell us, okay? Okay. Because we don't want to wear you out. I know it's upsetting to you. No, it's... All right. After you got the boat loaded on the trailer, then what happened next? Then we proceeded to move away. Now, was you in the car at this time? Mm -hmm. We're in the car, all four, all four of us in the car. We proceed and then just very started making our way to the highway. I mean, sort of by an angle, you know, 45 degree angle. So as we proceed to do the 45 degree angle, somebody looks like they come out behind a tree. I didn't notice him before. All right. Now, where did he come out from behind? What tree? One of the trees there by the pier. All right, on which side of the ramp? On the east. On the east, that would be the side back toward Bradenton. Right, no, toward, headed back to Holmes. Was it the side of the ramp where the picnic tables are over there? Did you notice the picnic tables all up and down there? I didn't notice. You didn't notice. All right, but it was on the side toward the beach, not toward Bradenton. Right, the side toward the beach. All right, that would be the west side. Yes, west side, right. So I hear him say something. I couldn't quite make out what he wanted. So I told Juan, this guy must want something. You want to see what he wants? And Juan says, sure. So he stopped and I don't remember whether he had the window up or not. But anyway, if I did, I got the window down and I listened to him. So he said, I'd like you guys to give me a ride down there. And he points out towards Holmes Beach to the south. And he says, well, but Juan says, but where? 
Don't you have an address? He said, no, down there, down that way. The reason I'm asking is because I have a bad ankle, which I hurt riding the bicycle. At this time, he's holding the bicycle, standing beside his bicycle. So Juan says, okay, we'll help you. So he got out of the car, and Juan did, and I I did, secondly, and and I says, can I help you with the bicycle? And he says, no, I can manage. This is the killer that says this? Yeah, the killer. Okay. So he walks over to the back of the boat and finally came all the way around to the other side of the boat, to the driver's side. I mean the driver's side, but still back on the left side of the boat. And I was going to help him, but before I could realize it, Juanito and him and this guy was lifting the bike, putting it inside the boat. So the killer said, you think it's going to hurt something inside the boat? And he says, no, no, it's, it's not going to hurt anything. It's fine. There's not anything it can hurt. So they put the bicycle down and Juanito walked over toward the car where his driver's position and I walked around the other side. This man walks in front of me. So I say to myself, oh, he's hurt. Let me be a gentleman and open the door for him. And he's got a bad ankle. So I opened the door for him and he got in. And he closed the door and I got in the front seat and he's sitting behind me. I want to interrupt here just to note that Raymond Barrow specifically said that he asked the killer, can I help you with the bicycle? And the killer says, no, I can manage. Then he walks around from the passenger side, where he had approached, to the driver's side rear, where he lets Dr. Dumois help him get the bike into the boat. It could be significant that he seemed to not want Barrow's help. He seemed to move away from him. Yet he not only allowed the doctor to help him get the bike in the boat, but he also seems to engage him further in conversation, going on to ask if the bike is going to hurt anything in the boat. You'll hear that the investigator is also curious about why he walked that bike around there, and I'm wondering if there was a reason he wanted to engage with the doctor specifically and not Barrows, and if so, for what reason? Did he have some sort of special interest in the doctor specifically? Or was there another reason why he was walking that bike around the other side and engaging with him? Okay, let's stop right here and go back now. When he came out of the trees, did he have the bicycle with him at that time? Yes, he did. Was he pushing it or what? He was pushing it. Did he limp or anything? No, I don't recall seeing that. Tell me what you remember seeing when he first started walking up and what what did you see? I saw a man on a bicycle. All right, you saw a man on a bicycle? Now, what color was... Oh, by a bicycle, walking. What color was the bicycle? I'd say white with a little blue and red trim. Where was the blue and red trim? On the top of the bar. On top of the handlebar or on the bar between the seat? On the bar between the seat. Did the bicycle have fenders on it? I don't remember. Did the bicycle have a headlight on it? I think so. What did this headlight look like? Uh, About five or six inches long. Okay, about five or six inches long. What color was it? The average modern type of light that they use nowadays. All right, what color was this light? The light? Chrome. Now, was it, which side was it? uh, In the center or on one side or the other of the handlebars? In the center. How about the seat? What did the seat look like? Black leather seat, you know, typical 10-speed racing bike. You know, very narrow, high. The tires on it, what do the tires look like? The tires, I would say, was naturally black. Black rubber and then on the side look a little bit reddish. You know, the, the walls, they look a little bit reddish. Was they thick or narrow? Narrow. All right. Did it have any handbrakes types on it? Yes, handbrakes. On each side or just one? One on each side. How about the gear shift thing? Did it have any? I think it had a gear shift too. I'm not sure of that. It looks so much like mine that I I have one. Where was the gear shift located? On the, in between the handle and the center there. Now, I want you to look at him. How tall was he? I'd say pretty close to six feet. How old is this person? I'd say 35. How about his hair? What does his hair look like? Wavy hair, not really curly, just wavy and black, almost black, dark brown, almost black. 
Any gray in it? No. All right. How about his face? Was there any marks on his face? Any beard? Any mustache? No mustache, no beard. How about wrinkles and scars? Wrinkles. Yes, he had two wrinkles in here. One, two, real thick. On his forehead? Forehead, right. High forehead, even higher than mine. What called my attention the most was that he had heavy eyebrows. Not real thick. Very, very heavy. Heavier than average? Right. Top on the side, sort of curly, which is unusual for the average person. That's what I recall, you know, to make me remember. Have, you know, holes um, in his face like that, you know? Dimples? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, I wouldn't say dimples. But there, on either side of his cheek. Each side of his cheeks is sunk in, then? Right, that's it. All right, how about... There's no facial hair at all. If it is, it's very little. One of those light... One of those people that have not too... Well, like me, very light beard. Clean-shaven, wasn't even noticeable. Okay, how about his teeth? What did you notice about them? I didn't notice anything about his teeth. Okay, nothing unusual. How about his ears? Nope, nothing either. Let's come down to his shirt, then. What kind of shirt did he have on? He had a tennis shirt and a tennis shorts. What color were they? White. And they also had a sort of trim, some kind of trim. I don't know exactly what color. Could have been blue and red or something. All right. Where was this trim located? Look at it good now. Where was this trim located? On the side of the pants. Is there any trim? On the shirt, is there any trim? I don't think there was any on the sleeve, but there was trim on the collar. All the way around? Yes. You know, like two or three buttons, a little collar. Was there any names on the front or the back of the shirt? No, I don't think so, no. Okay, let's look at his arms now and his hands. Anything there? Big arms, big hands, sort of a very slim. He was a slim, slim guy. How much would you say he weighed? Uh, About 155, 160. Nothing unusual about his arms? No. Was he muscular? No, not at all. Is he small built? Small built, right. Not a heavy frame? No, sir. But he had long arms? Mm-hmm, he had long arms. How about his legs? Any scars? Did you see any scars on his legs? No, I didn't. Any marks at all on any part of his body? Nothing like that. How about his shoes? Look at his shoes. They were tennis shoes. I would say they were sort of a bluish-gray. Bluish-gray shoes. Maybe the sole was sort of an off-yellow, something like that. Did you notice any names on the shoes? No, I didn't. Did anyone that was with you that day, the boys, the doctor, did they have any shoes that were similar to the shoes that you are describing here? Yes, I think one of the kids might have had shoes similar to this. Might be... Might be somewhat similar in color to them? Yes. Let's go back and listen to him talk now. What was his talk like? Did he speak like he was... Well-educated? Illiterate? I would say he was well-educated. What makes you say this? Did he... Was it the words that he used? Words that he used? His accent? Okay, what kind of accent? I would say a New England accent. Like, from the North. I never lived up North. Like a New Jersey accent? New Jersey or New York or Boston, Massachusetts. Okay, let's look at his hands. Was there any rings on his hands? That I didn't notice at all. How about a watch? Did you notice a watch? A watch, I didn't notice that either. Did he at any time introduce himself? No, he did not. He didn't tell you any name at all? Think now. No, I'm positive. All right, now I want you to try to repeat to me exactly the words that he said when he first came up. I mean, just like he said them, the best you can. He said, Now take your time. He said, I need help. I'm hurt and I need, I need to go to those condominiums over there. Pointed out toward the south, Gulf Boulevard. And one says, whereabouts? What's the address? Don't you know the address? He says, no, I don't, but just around the corner. Then he says, looking at me, the reason I'm limping, uh, I twisted my ankle riding the bicycle. And I feel like saying, yeah, I know how that is because it happened to me once. But I didn't say a word. I just left that out. That's it. And that's all the words that was spoken. 
Now, going back to what he looked like again, was he light-skinned, dark-skinned? What did his skin look like? Light, light skin. Did he have a tan? I would say a little, a little tan, yes. Was his legs tan? Yes. Was he sunburnt at all? No, no, I don't think so. I'm almost sure that he was not. So he's fairly light-skinned with a light tan. Right. Now, I can't... Go ahead. A definition on his eyes. All right, tell me about his eyes. Look at them good. Something odd. I can't... What it was. They look different, weird. What color were his eyes? I would say his eyes were light kind. Could have been blue, could have been green. I'm almost sure he had light eyes. They were not dark colored, definitely. No, definitely not dark colored. What else about his eyes? Did they look like a drunk man's eyes or a sober man's eyes? No, looked like they were sober. What's the funny thing about his eyes? I don't know. He kept flipping the eyes. The fact that he had curly eyebrows on the side here just looked odd, like funny, you know? You mean he blinked his eyes like he had a nervous habit or something with the blinking? Yes, right. That's it. Anything else about him that struck you as odd? No, his hair... A little bit bushy, wavy, uh, sort, on the side here, kind of, you know, was sticking out. It sticks out. Kind of like mine does? Instead of the bottom, like you have at the top here, very top. On the up top instead of down on the side? Right. How long was his hair? I think about like yours. Was it full on the sides? Yes, full on the sides. Did the sides lay down? No. Did he comb his back or down or... I say back. Back like you do? Yes. Was there any part in it? No, no part. The whole head from top of the forehead right straight back? Right, no part. Was his hair neatly combed or was it fluffed up or like it had been blown in the breeze? Mm, yeah, like it had been blown in the breeze. It didn't look like, yeah, like a little like, you know. Was his head real full hair? Yes. It wasn't thin? No. Was his hair fuller than mine, or...? I'd say yes, a little fuller than yours. He had more hair on top than you do. Now, did he have any body odor about him? No. How about aftershave lotion? Any odor of that? No. You didn't notice any odor? No, no, I didn't. How about his breath? I didn't notice anything either about his breath. Did you see any bulges in his clothing, or anything irregular about his clothes that he was wearing? No. Like a bulge from his wallet or keys or... Not at all. Were his clothes rather loose-fitting or snug? I would say snug, yes. Did his shirt come out over his pants? I don't think so. I think he had it tucked in. Was he carrying anything in his hand? No, he was not. Okay, anything else you can think of on his description, any of you? I think we have that pretty well covered. Did he have any necklaces on or anything like that? Necklace. I couldn't say. I don't think so. Any type of jewelry. Look at him good. No, nothing like that. Nothing that called my attention. Did you notice fingernails, whether they had been well-kept or dirty or greasy like a mechanic? No, I didn't notice that either. It was so brief. Just a few seconds. You're pretty sure that his shirt was tucked in, though? I'm almost sure it was tucked in, yes. Did you notice if the shorts had pockets? Yes, they did. You think they did have? I'm almost sure that they did. Okay, you done real well. Now, you're in the car. What's said now that you're in the car? Nothing. Nothing was said at all? Not a sound. All right, when you start to drive off, what happens now as you start to drive off? What's the conversation? There's no conversation at all, and we start approaching, leaving the dirt road to get onto the highway, and I think... I think we managed... We got on the highway... And then all of a sudden I hear a big noise. Okay, wait a minute. Before we get to that, did you have a conversation with your brother-in-law? No, not a word. You didn't say anything to him about the condition of this guy? No. No words at all? No words at all. I thought about saying, how bad is the sprain or do you, do you hurt much? I thought about it, but I didn't say it. So there was absolutely no conversation between you and your brother-in-law or the kids? Or the kids. Or him or any of you 
all from the time you got in the car. That's right. No conversation at all. Okay, what happened next? So when the car started pulling onto the highway, onto the highway, I, I heard this bang and I say, wow, I think to myself, somebody must have hit us from behind, you know, a car or a truck hit the boat, smashing into the car. And before, like real quick, like I slump in the seat. Did you feel anything at this time? I felt something, but I can't describe it. Was this spontaneously the same time as the bang? Right, yes. Okay. I guess it must have been from the impact of the bullet. So I slump and I tried to get up and I, I couldn't. I tried to move around and I couldn't. I just couldn't do nothing. Then a sort of semi-conscious and just laying there. What did you see and hear during this time? I can't. I... It's okay. We understand that you've been through a lot. Then only seconds after, I hear my brother-in-law, he's yelling. So I couldn't turn. I just, I couldn't, even if I wanted to, I couldn't turn, just semi-conscious. Right, I understand. So I look out the corner of my eye and I can see Juan's back's red. You see what? His back is red. Your brother-in-law? My brother-in-law Juan, and I say, oh boy, it looks like blood. Right away I think of bullets or car accident, and I say, what is this? And then... And that's it. I must have blacked out. What was your brother-in-law yelling? Nothing in particular. Just saying, eee! Not making a word, just sound. Couldn't make out what he was saying. Then I must have passed out. I guess I don't remember. I think I... I think I, I saw the boat on the side here, on the side of the car. That's the next thing you remember? That's the next thing... So that must have been when we jackknifed, when, when he lost control of the car, the boat and the car jackknifed, because I did remember seeing that. Then the next thing I knew, they, they're pulling me out onto the ground, put me on a stretcher. And then I see a lot of people, I hear a lot of people talking and policemen and medics and passerbys and a lot of people. And then they helped Juan uh, pulling on a stretcher. Then I saw Eric, the oldest boy on the stretcher. And I think I could see the foot of Eric, I mean of Mark, the little one stood there it seems like we were there quite a, a while i thought god why are they waiting so long to move us why don't they move us and then i said to myself maybe i'm not too bad off they don't need to move me that fast because the ambulance is right there taking all of us so finally they moved Juan into the stretcher and the kids went off in a stretcher i couldn't see that much just what was in front of me and then they moved me and then i i don't remember the ride to the hospital in the ambulance i must have passed out again Okay, let's go back to this guy, the killer. Think good now. What, had you seen him anywhere around during the week? No. Had you ever seen him before at any time? I don't think so. I'm almost sure I never saw him before. And he said nothing from the time that you was going to help him put the boat in, I mean, excuse me, the bicycle in the trailer. He didn't say anything from that point on. He didn't say nothing, not a word. Didn't say where he wanted to go or where to turn? No, just the only time he spoke to get help. That's the only time that he said a word. What was the conversation between the doctor and he when he was putting the bicycle, when they were putting it in the boat? I think he said, the guy says, you think it's all right the way it is? It's not hurting anything inside. And Juan says, no, it's all right. There's nothing the bicycle could hurt in there. Perfectly all right. Don't worry about it. Okay. Why didn't they put it in on your side? In other words, on the right side of the boat, because that's where he was. Do you know why he went all the way around the back end of the boat to put it in there? Yeah, that's a good question, but I don't know why. Did you put it in back of the boat or up in the bow, up above where, in the, in the front of where the steering wheel is, you know, you remember? Am I correct? The bow is front, right? Yes. Here's the motor, and then this this is the open space. You have more room to free, you know, to fish, you put it right on this side, right over the little wheel, the trailer wheel. What was over on this side, over here? Nothing, but I don't know why he came from here. Where was the steering wheel? The steering wheel was right here on the boat. Anybody got any more about this? No? Okay, where are you from? Where were you born? I was born in Cuba. What part of Cuba? Orient. What's your date of birth? Today? No, what's your date of birth? When were you born? 
August 5th, 1927. Today's his birthday. Oh, today. Oh, I thought you said, what's the date? Hell of a way to spend your birthday, isn't it? Yes. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Happy to be alive, I guess. When did you leave Cuba? I left Cuba the first time in 1945. And you came to the United States? Mm-hmm. I came to the United States. I went into the Army for a year and a half and then Miami ever since. Did you return to Cuba at any time? Yes, I was back a few times. In 57, 59, and 1960, that was the last visit. 1960? Mm-hmm, 1960. Do you still have relatives in Cuba? Far distant relatives, nothing close. All your family's here now? Yes, sir, and my wife's people, too. When did they, when did they all come over at the same time you did? We came early. We came in 45. My brother came in 43 and went to the Navy. I came in 45, my sister too. My mother came for a little while and she went back with my father and then she stayed there until he died in 53. He used to work for the U.S. Navy in Guantanamo, uh, the Guantanamo Navy base. Daddy was from Massachusetts originally, Boston. He lived in Cuba 34 years. Where all have you lived in the United States? Well, Miami, outside of Miami, Army Hitch, I was in Virginia, Camp Lee. I was in Fort Sell, Oklahoma in 1947. That's the only time I've been out of Florida. How long did you live in Virginia? In Virginia, I stayed there one year. This was while you were in the military? Right, and in Oklahoma for about four months. Where all have you been employed? I've been employed just three places in Miami. Okay, what are those three places? The Shelbourne Hotel, 8th Street, and Collins Avenue, Miami Beach, 1947 to 1949. What's the name of that hotel? The Shelbourne, S-H-E-L-L-B-O-R-N-E. Oh, I've stayed there. You did? Yeah, it's a nice hotel. I think it was converted into condominiums. Then the Bancroft, three blocks down, 15th and Dallas. I was there from 49 to 57. Then I took a two-month vacation to Cuba and came back and went to work for the Key Biscayne Motel in October of 57 on Key Biscayne, and I've been there ever since. That's the hotel that Nixon used to go to all the time. Made the payments. Some people say he made no payments. He's okay. He's a nice guy. Okay, I don't mean to get too personal, but I've got to ask these questions. Have you ever been in any type of trouble with the law in the United States? No, never have. How about in Cuba? Never. You've never been arrested for anything? No, sir. Okay, do you have any idea at all why anyone would want to shoot you or your brother-in-law? None whatsoever. Is there any persons or group of people that would have any reason to do this to you? I don't think so. I've never done any harm. Never done what? Never done any harm to anybody. Is there anybody that thinks that you have? I don't think so. The only time... I only fire one guy from the job. That was about 11 years ago. He refused to do the work duties, and I warned him, and I say, you can't work like that and do the job. If you can't do this, then you might as well go home. So he thought I was just going to lay him off for the day. So he went, and he came back the next day, and, you know, I had the feeling that he was going to come back. And then he said, hey, Ray, sorry, I didn't think you'd, you'd fire. He just, he thought I'd let him go for the day. So I had to pull his card, so he comes back and he says, Where's my card? And I said, I got it in my hand. And he says, why? Am I fired? And I said, yes. I said, you change your mind. You do the duties that you're supposed to do. Here's your card. You can come back and work. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. He didn't want to go out and get wet. We have a hotel and a villas around, so we got to serve the little villas. They got to go out there sometimes and get the guest service, and they have to get wet once in a you know, so they have umbrellas and a raincoat. How long ago was this? That was 11 years ago. Okay. But that's the only person that I ever... Do you belong to any Cuban groups at all? Not at all. Never have. Have you ever been involved with any arm smuggling or anything like that? No, sir. I haven't touched a pistol since I came out of the Army. How about the anti-Castro organization in Miami? I don't know of them. I, I've heard about them, but whatever I read in the paper... Do you know if the doctor perhaps donated any of his money to the anti-Castro organization in Miami? 
No. You say that very definitely. You don't think he just... You, you think he wouldn't do that? He wouldn't do that. Juan, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it? No. Has there been any... He was close to his family. Was the doctor born in Cuba? Yes. What part of Cuba? In Orienta, about 30, 35 miles from where I was born. And when did he first come to the United States? First time or last time? Well, when did he move here? He moved here in 61. He knew that if he waited much longer, he wouldn't be able to get out because they were not letting out the professionals. So he has a student visa, and that summer of 61, he went from the hospital near his hometown where he was going to do his residence, ordered by the government. He just graduated the year before, so he went to Havana on the student visa that he had and left. His wife had left the month before to give birth to their first baby, so he came then. They were looking for him, always looking for him, but he was gone, never to return. Was he a doctor there already? Mm, he was a doctor there already. Then he came to New Orleans to, well, to Miami first. Then he went to New Orleans to do his internship again, to get his change of degree to American. And then he came to Tampa and he did his residence at the Tampa General, and then in private practice here the last 13 years. Had he been outspoken in the past that you know of about the Castro government? No. Either for or against? For or against him. He never... Mm -mm. Has he ever mentioned anything about anybody that may want to do him harm? No. Any patients or anybody? Not that I can think of. Was he ever in any kind of trouble in Cuba? Been arrested for anything? He wasn't in any trouble. Well, let's put it this way. In 1958, he belonged to an anti-Batista group called the Federation of Student in University of Havana. And they wanted to kill Batista. And I don't know if you remember, if you followed the Cuban politics in 1958, they made an attack on the presidential palace in Havana and they tried to kill Batista. And he was supposed to be in that attack, but he was back home in his hometown for a short visit. So they couldn't get everybody together. So he missed that one. So his father says, just for being an idealist, he says, you could die like a bunch of, you know, for, for what? For goddamn politicians. And they're all the same. They're all crooked. They're all out to kill people and get all the money they can. So shortly after that, he left town and he stayed himself clean. In the beginning, in the first year, he sympathized with Castro in 59. Just a few months, because I was back in Cuba in 59. Then he was already against Castro. But he was never incarcerated. No, he wasn't frustrated. He said, he says it was a dream. We, we thought he was a better procurer, but we can see that he's a traitor. He's a communist. Was he a leader in that group? No, he was not a leader. Was he ever put in jail or anything there? No. Political prisoner or anything? No, no, he wasn't. He didn't, he didn't get into that. And he's never been involved in any Cuban politics or anything since that time? No, sir, I'm positive. He didn't join any Cuban groups here? No. None at all? None at all. In fact, we go to Miami, uh, a lot of our relatives, some of them, they like to talk about politics and Castro and this and that. And he say... Yeah, you're wasting your time or something else. Talk about cars, talk about economy, or try to be useful. Don't waste your time. He never did. Him, he never did. Has any of your people recently come over from Cuba? My people? No, no, sir. You didn't have any relatives that just came over? My wife had some distant relatives. Have you seen them? I saw one of them, yes. They moved right away to New Jersey. What kind of job do you have at the motel? I'm the superintendent of services, sort of like a transportation manager. You work for a salary there? Salary, yes. Do you own your own home? Yes, sir. How often would you say that you visited with Dr. Dumois and your sister? Is it once a year, a couple times a year? About once a year. And he was Miami once, twice a year to visit his father and mother over there. And he would come and visit us and the other sisters he had there or relatives in Miami, quite a bit of relatives in Miami. Do you know if he's involved in any business ventures other than just being a doctor, like real estate investments or anything like that? No, I think just being a doctor. Does he ever talk about any other type of businesses at all? Once he talked about buying a lot in the Grand Cayman Island. Just once. I don't think he ever went ahead with it uh, to have real estate property. Did he ever talk about maybe even having a girlfriend or something like that? 
No, no, he's a one-woman man. He used to kid her once in a while. Used to what? He used to kid her once in a while, going out with other women. What would he say? He says he never would, not for a million dollars. And he says, do you? And I say, uh, I did it once. I don't think I'd do it again, but I did it once. And that's all he ever talked about. Okay, is there anything else that you can think of that we haven't asked you that we should know? Anything at all? I can't think of anything. I think we covered the detective, FBI man, Green, I think, his name. Last night he showed me six pictures. I picked them up here, I looked at one, and then I looked at the others and I picked one of them up. Four on the top, two on the bottom. I picked out, anyway, I picked it out and laid it down. My wife says you better put on your glasses so maybe you can see better. So my wife helped me. So I put on my glasses and I took another picture and nobody looked like him, like the suspect. Nobody on there did? No, except this first one. And he said, why you pick that one up and lay it down and then you're coming back to the first one again and you really look at it now. And he says, what is it? And I said, well, this guy at the beginning, there appeared so much hair, such long sideburns, it threw me off. And I say, this is not it. But now the more I look at it, the nose, the face, the eyebrows, the forehead, everything it looked like, just like the same man, but like I said, the long sideburns, lots of hair. He didn't have that much hair. It was just average. So I said, do you have him as a suspect? And he said, I'm not going to tell you. I said, well, I figure you got to do your job. You know, just that feeling that they had. Okay. Tom, do you have anything else? I really can't think of anything. I'm going to ask you this. They have more than one suspect among these guys? To be honest with you, we just don't know right at this point. We don't know any more than you do. That's just being straightforward and honest with you. Now, one other thing. Why? I don't know who did it or why they did it. Why did they give my name as being a survivor from the tragic... And the address? I'm sure they gave your name. Now, I don't know. I don't remember. I remember seeing the article in the paper, but what it was, I don't... In the Bradenton paper, they had my address. In the Miami paper, they had my address. And also the place I worked at. I think that was very poor of them. Well, I agree with you. Especially with that guy still loose. I agree with you on that. It was. I didn't have anything to do with that. I'm sure. I'm sure. Unfortunately, the press, they print a lot of things that they shouldn't. Yes, they like to sell papers. It seems like they do it before they stop and think, or they just, they don't ever stop and think. Right. What is your relationship with the doctor? Just, how is he related to you? My wife and him are brother and sister. Oh, okay. How many times have you been to Holmes Beach before? I'd say twice. We were there three or four years ago. At that time, we stay at the White Sands Motel. Okay. And nobody visited with you, like the night before the fishing trip that, like, came in for dinner and they thought that you were going to go fishing, or? Nobody. Nobody knew. Did you talk to anyone on the telephone? I didn't. I don't know if the doctor did or not talk to anybody. Going back to when the shots were fired, did you get to see the gun at all? No, I didn't. You never saw the gun, period? No, sir. Not at all. Okay, and you've never been involved in any politics? No, I have not. And the doctor has never been involved other than that one time during when they were trying to overthrow Batista? Yes, that's right. He's never been involved in politics since? No, sir. Have you ever seen, while you were on Anna Maria Island, have you ever seen any brown-colored cars around? Brown-colored cars? Yes, big car, like a Ford LTD or a Chrysler Cordoba. No. While you was getting gas, or while you was out eating or swimming, or going to fish, or any time while you was there? No, I don't recall. I heard two stories. I heard in the ambulance that he, when naturally the car stopped and the boat and everything, that he went and got his bicycle and got away to this convenient food place. And the colonel saw, and he followed him, and he talked to him. And then the colonel turned his back on him, and he shot him. Other people say that the car was there. Then he put the bicycle inside his car, the brown Cordoba, and fled. Other people said that the car was always at the Kingfish trailer place, or the day the accident occurred, and he just got the bicycle and put it back in the trunk of his car and he left. 
Not that it makes any difference which way it happened. We really don't know just exactly how it did happen. Any of them possibly could have happened. We just, we really don't know right now. At this point, that's what we're trying to find out from everybody. Yes, you have to get the thing together. I just have one more question, and that is someone who works at the Dr. Dumois office, you said had arranged for him to get a hold of this house in Holmes Beach. Is that correct? I believe so. I'm not positive, Chief, but I believe that I heard him say that somebody that works in his office, their father and mother, owned that home. And he got it because he said he was going to talk to her about renting a home. No, she said, I I know just who. Daddy and Mommy, they have a house. They rent it from time to time. I'll arrange it for you. As a matter of fact, he thought they weren't even going to charge him because they were very close. That's the way it looks. Okay. Anything else? No? All right. This will end the interview. In the next episode, I'll go over what the other witnesses from both crime scenes had to say. Stay tuned.